Just before we start, a quick trigger warning that there is mention of dark thoughts and suicide in the first 10 minutes of this episode. I'm Carla. And I'm Sarah. Welcome to Creative Reboot. super excited about today's guest for lots of reasons. Louise Livingstone of the HeartSense Research Institute really does lead her business with her heart. Welcome to the podcast, Louise. It's lovely to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. I'm so excited by this uh, leading your business with your heart. I can't wait to hear more uh, all about this. In fact, let's just go straight into it. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do. Okay, well, um, I, oh gosh, I've got such an eclectic background, but I've just finished um, a PhD um, from Canterbury Christchurch University, um, and uh, the, the the topic was looking at the thought of the heart and uh, how the thought of the heart could help us to engage more effectively with conflict. And so what that meant was, is that I went into a sort of four year deep conversation with my own heart to kind of understand my own heart's guidance in relation to the phenomena of conflict. So it was very deep. Um, I went to some very, very uh, dark places, but also some wonderfully uplifting places. Um, and just learned how to talk more to my heart. And the methodology that I use was sort of based in depth psychology. Um, so, so yeah, it was like a, an imaginal approach towards talking to my heart. And now I just keep talking to my heart every day and we're in conversation constantly. And I was just learning basically over the last four years how to be in the world differently and how to look at the world differently and how to have a different awareness about the world through not just my mind or my brain, but bringing my heart back into the conversation. <laughs> I'm trying to formulate a response that doesn't just go, wow. <laughs> I, I wanted more words than that, but I'm not. I'm not really getting there yet. So keep talking, and I'll. <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk to us about this idea of talking to your heart. I'd like to. I'd like to understand mm. that a little bit more. What, what does that? How, how would you explain that? Okay. Well, then, in order to explain that, I need to sort of track back to the mid two thousands and probably track back a little bit further. But let's just track back to the mid two thousands, where I was extremely ill. Um, so I was um, having something called atrial fibrillation, ventricular tachycardia, which is um, an abnormal heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was based on uh, complications um, from a previous condition that I'd had at the age of 18. So I was in 1990, um, I caught, um, I contracted a virus called myocarditis. Mm. So I was 18, uh, just finished my A-levels. And then I caught this um, sort of, Ill, I got ill. Um, and um, my, my, the out, outer muscle walls of my heart kind of swelled up to um, just really huge, got inflamed. And that meant that my heart wasn't beating properly. So I spent three months in hospital. Um, so I had a pacemaker fitted. I was on lots and lots of medication. I was really ill. And um, I had, uh, you know, three, three near-death experiences. So I was very, very poorly. So, mm. but, I, but I recovered um, enough to go to university and get on with my life and all the rest of it. 
But what had happened with the expansion of my heart, the outer heart muscle was that um, there was scar tissue left over. So in the mid 2000s, so I'm coming back to the mid 2000s now, um, I was having these uh, sort of complications, these um, arrhythmias that were causing me a lot of difficulty. I would be in hospital in casualty, uh, A&E probably every week um, with these rapid heartbeats because I couldn't stop them and they would just completely incapacitate me. I'd just, you know, sort of be on the verge of fainting or passing out. Um, And so nothing really could be done. It was just in and out of hospital constantly. Um, and I just got really, really anxious, uh, stressed, losing my faith in my heart's ability to keep me alive, really, I think. Mm. And so I was one morning in um, oh, the mid 2000s, it was about three in the morning, and I was having a panic attack because this condition left me in severe anxiety, panic attack. I was agoraphobic. All It was awful. My, my mental health was absolutely horrific at that point. Um, And I just remember thinking, I can't go on like this anymore. You know, so much has happened to me in my relationship with my heart since the age of 18 um, that I just felt I just lost faith in life, lost faith in my heart. And I just didn't want to carry on. And then there was this moment where I try and describe this in as as my heart talking to me, because it felt like my heart was talking to me. I I don't know whether I heard it or whether I intuited it or whatever, because it was just such a desperate situation. Um, But the words that came from my heart were, please, please stop this. You know, you're you're killing me. You have the power to change this. You know that the power is with you. And it was like, oh, my God, what has just happened? And. I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> you know, you're in a state of panic, fear, not one, not wanting to be on the planet anymore. You're wanting to kind of leave. And, and then your heart says something like that to you. And mm. I guess I could have taken that as a, I don't know, maybe um, something that was, it could have been pathologized in a negative way, let's say. Yeah. Trying to find the right words for this. But what I didn't want it to be was pathologized in a negative way that I was having some kind of hallucinogenic experience that actually Mm. meant nothing. Because my relationship with my heart has been so such a strange relationship, such an up and down relationship, you know, since the age of 18, that I knew that there was something more in it. And I didn't want to let it go. Mm. So that then led me on a pathway really to kind of understand what had happened to me. So then I started looking at philosophy, spiritual books, near-death experiences. And I ended up, I mean, this took a long time, by the way, you know. Yeah, this wasn't wasn't like a two-week thing, was it? (laughs) Because I was trying to work as well at the same time, you know. But there was something in my heart that felt like it was drawing me forward towards something, towards something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it felt like something create something of the world itself was asking something of me. And this is where the creativity started really in my life. 
um, that the world was calling forth something from me through my heart. And if I was to live well into the future, then I needed to listen. Okay. That does that make sense? Yeah, that does. It does. Yeah. yeah. Do you, from from I'll, I'll I'll sort of leap in there. A second, sorry, Carla, but no, no, um, so. just kind of from the perspective of like where you were talking about your heart as a um, the physical thing, the the muscle. Mm. You know, the I, I don't know if you know, but previously I, I was a paramedic in the previous life, oh, so that kind okay. of side of things very much. That's something I'm I understand quite a lot. The, yeah. you know, the anatomical aspect, yeah, the biological sure. stuff, sure. and then. The way you've related it there to a much more sort of spiritual sense it's yeah um that i mean that's something that's kind of always been there in the back of my mind anyway but Mm. trying to trying to relay that into words is actually a very difficult thing to do i think isn't it so yeah absolutely but it makes a lot of sense what you were saying it's just i just wanted to kind of sort of dip in there that's that's amazing because it fits in so much with my research actually sarah Mm. so you know as i say this this journey has taken a very very long time because we're talking mid 2000s and now where are we sort of 2021 so we're sort of 15 16 years on from that event yeah um and sort of 30 odd years on from when i was first became ill when i was 18 Mm. Mm. so i think for me to know my heart as a physical organ yes of course I knew my heart as a physical organ um because you know I'm a physical being and when when I get the um when I used to have the strange heartbeats I would feel that physically yes but there was also a sense of something deeper there Mm. something something that my heart was trying to kind of show me or make me see that that needed to kind of come up and be um excavated and this is a way that I see the last sort of 15, 16 years, I was kind of excavating something. And this, if I, if I could just leap in, this this to me is, is a really magical thing because I think we talk about quite glibly, we talk about, you know, feeling things in the heart or heart versus head. Or, you know, there's, there's a lot of language around um, yes. your heart, but I think a lot of people don't actually think about the heart in that way, if that makes sense. Like they yeah. talk about it, but they don't actually connect it. And, and this, what's really striking me as you're speaking is your relationship with your heart. I don't think most people who maybe haven't had, I'm sure, you know, in the same way that if you if you've struggled with something you do have a different relationship with that physically as well as emotionally but I'm really struck by having the idea of having a relationship with your heart because I think a lot of people would say well like you know so and so lives in my you know they, they talk about it so and so lives in my heart or I, I love and you touch your heart and you, you do have a relationship with your heart but I don't think many people speak about it in those terms or even really think about it so I'm fascinated no, by this exactly and but the thing is as well Carla is that we're not allowed to what I discovered during this long long journey towards my PhD was that the I had to go forward understanding that my heart has spoken to me in a both a physical way in symptoms physical symptoms mm-hmm. but it also audibly spoken to me now because I didn't want to pass that off as something um, pathologized in a negative way and then I would have lost it altogether I had to follow where that was taking me so what I ended up doing as I say was going down the philosophical route the spiritual route discovering um, Sufi mysticism that understands the heart as an organ of perception 
that understands that the heart is actually uh, the the kind of um, gateway to the sacred. It's it stands um, as a kind of threshold between ourselves and the divine, if you want to use those terms. And so then I started to think, okay, right, okay, there is a possibility of looking at the heart speaking to me in a particular framework. Now. I'm not suggesting that what happened to me in those wee small hours in the mid 2000s was a divine event. I still don't know whether it was, but it was definitely something, like I said before, the world calling something forth from me that previously I was unaware of or that previously my education or the way that I've been educated to understand the world had kind of hidden from me in a way. Um, and so, as I say, I was excavating ways of seeing and ways of knowing that um, were not maybe um, open to me through my own education, but that I was discovering um, as I was reading more and discovering more and researching more. So then I come to my PhD, which began in uh, 2016, and it was like all the pieces started to fall together. Um, because I discovered um, not only the work of um, a religious philosopher called uh, Henri Corbin, who was very much in the kind of um, religious philosophical tradition, looking at the works of Sufi mysticism through um, a 12th century uh, mystic Ibn Arabi, that the, the heart is the organ of perception. But what, if, what also... Um, I discovered was um, depth psychologist James Hillman was deeply influenced by the work of Henri Corbin. And James Hillman took Corbin's work further and suggested that the heart itself is, um, it is the organ of the imaginal perception, but it's the organ through which the world speaks to us. Mm. So um, whereas Hillman wasn't quite sort of on board with the divine, the doorway to the divine, he interpreted it as the heart is the organ of imaginal perception that receives the world speaking to us through images. Because the only way that we can engage with the world when we're out and about in nature, for example, is through image, is through we see a tree, it's an image to us. And the heart picks that up, the heart goes, oh, I'm in relationship with this tree and I'm receiving it as an image. And then the heart kind of takes its own language, poetic language, you know, this mythic language, the language of the imagination and the intuition, and then passes all of that up to the brain, to the mind, to be kind of abstracted and objectified. But what the mind should then do is pass what it's then understood back to the heart. So we could then have move out from the heart in conversation with the world. So what we are doing in that sense is we are breathing in the world through images into our hearts, passing it up to the mind or the brain, then moving back down to the heart and passing what we have learned in conversation with the world back out to the world. And to me, that's poetry, that's pure creation. Yeah, wow. I, 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 wow. <laughs> You're doing the thing I was doing earlier. I don't know what to say. That, yeah, that yeah, is amazing. That um, makes so much sense. Actually, is oh, sorry. Oh, God, you were going to say something. No, 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 okay. Terrible interrupting each other. No, no, it's, it's fine. Talking then about that creation. That, yeah, so sort of lead us into that. When you talk about uh, creative creativity, then how does that kind of 
move into that for you? What, what, what? Um, I can't even formalize, but wow, yes. yeah. I mean, again, that's a huge, huge question. So, I mean, over the past four or five years in conversation with my heart, you know, through my research. I used a methodology um, developed by uh, another depth psychologist called Robert Ramanishin. And he uses these, this framework called um, transference dialogues. And he suggests that through, um, he, he says that we're always in relationship with something. And so for me in my research, I was in relationship with my heart. So my heart becomes a thing that I have the transference dialogue with, the conversation with. But the conversation and the transference dialogues can happen in so many different ways, but it's experiential. So the conversation happens not like me, we are all here talking, but it will happen through dream image or through feeling or through, um, say you're daydreaming, you're walking along and all of a sudden something kind of comes to you, you feel something, an image pops into your head and over time, I learned to understand that when that happened to me, when I had a certain kind of feeling, when an image popped in, or when I had a particular kind of dream, that that was the creativity of my heart talking to me in its own language of symbol and metaphor and imagery. So the creativity happened through kind of um, me feeling things or um, dreaming about something or having a, a kind of image pop into my head as I was walking along in nature. And it's again, it's difficult to describe because we each will get there in our own different way. But it was learning to learning that my heart had a whole language of its own and it had been trying to talk to me for years. And I think this is what's happened when I was 18. <laughs> you know, I was so disconnected with life at that point. You know, the, 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 uh, the enchanted world of my childhood was sort of way back in my kind of uh, memory. Um, we're education to a certain way of seeing, um, but my heart was like, no, no, that's, that's not right, no you need to get back to this kind of poetic, enchanted, mythic, um, creative way of being and seeing in the world. And <laughs> to be honest, it's taken me like nearly 30 odd years to get back to that point. But then, um, yeah. I was gonna say, I would, I would argue that lots of people never get back to that point. So I think yeah. that's, that's wonderful sure. in itself, but I- Very I really, fortunate to be yeah. there and understand that, I yeah. think, definitely. And to have that clarity about it as well, I think. Mm. Is, well, is thank you. I mean, I'm still learning. Um, yes. I'm, still, I'm still learning with all of this. So, so the creativity, as I say, it happens in so many different ways. So it can come through a feeling or a, an image that I get. Uh, or a dream will come to me and I'll think, oh, I need to sort of write a blog post, for example, or, um, oh, I need to write a poem. Um, but what's been happening or, or what has been happening over the past sort of 12, 18 months is that this vision that I had about creating uh, sacred sites, miniature sacred sites and stone dolmens, which is what I'm doing right now um, came as a result of one of these you know sort of images popping into my mind and I'm knowing that my heart was saying to me Louise you know how you've rediscovered me and my language and that has helped to transform you and your health and how you engage with the world because all of this has changed my whole life you know um, my my health has never been better I 
oh, I just love life. And um, I'm just so much so, so different. I mean, if you'd have seen me 15 years ago, I'm totally different person. Um, you know, I can go out and about and walk on my own. I used to have severe anxiety being left on my own anywhere. This has changed my entire life. Mm. So my heart kind of um, in, in one of these conversations I was having, it was like, you know, what's happened to you, Louise? Maybe, you know, the things that used to inspire you and give you so much joy when you were younger. And this then takes me right back to early childhood when I was about six, seven and eight. And my parents used to take me down to the furthest southwest part of Cornwall um, to Land's End, the Penwith Peninsula. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. just littered with standing stones, stone circles, you know, you name it. Mm -hmm. And that was where I used to talk to the world. The world used to talk to me. I could hear the land talking to me. It was just wow. like, oh, I'm getting chills now thinking about it. Yeah. And as you grow older, you know, that, I forgot that. I forgot how to converse with the world. I, I think it's less forgetting I think so I have family in Cornwall and I feel very similarly about Cornwall um and it's one of the reasons I live on the coast in Essex now because yeah. it's very the coast is very close to my heart but um I think it's less that we I will try not to get on a soapbox I don't think it's that we forget I think it's that we are taught and educated out of it I, I think yes. it's very I mean we talked about intuition before which is a sort of the top level of all of that I think but yeah. we're not you said earlier actually I think it was really interesting choice of words we're not allowed to think mm. in that and it, it does very much feel like that you know when I um bits and pieces that I do or say or think or feel or, and I'm quite childlike in lots of ways and people are like you're a grown-up now I'm like and yeah. and it is it's a it's a really to me this is this is really interesting hearing you speak and and, and seeing that you know I mean you're a proper grown-up you've got a PhD you must be a proper grown-up and you know, you're still talking about these things and this is amazing to me on a really deep level I'm probably not the most articulate because my brain is, is oh, trying to great. process everything you're saying but um yeah it's I think it's really interesting and I I love that um many people we speak to or many people I speak to but also on the podcast say you know things that they were able to do as a child or able yeah. to hear or see or, or feel or create as a child they, they can't anymore or it took them a long time to get back to that's a really common mm. theme in in yeah. our creatives that we speak to um and I think it's very sad but I also think it's wonderful that some of us do find our way back and yeah um, yeah and it's very inspiring that you have done thank you and I think it's maybe a necessary part of our journey through life as well because you know if we keep that throughout life and we don't sort of experience maybe the extreme opposite then how can we have the appreciation when we remember yes. when yes. we turn yes. our attention back so I, I, I sort of see it as a I, I see all of this as a gift you know all of this is a gift because um, you know the appreciation for me is there now um, and so having the world chattering to me, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years of age, and then sort of making that move out of, because it was chattering through me, to me, I know now through my heart, because that yes. was where I received the world. I understand that now. So then to make the move through my education out of my body, out of my heart, into the mind, the rational mind, I think that was, um, there was a kind of grief there for me throughout my teens, which was what just happened? Where did that world go that I used to be so enchanted with? And then we move into obviously when I'm 18 and I caught this virus. And, and I just think it was all part of the trajectory of me moving, disconnecting from the world speaking to me, but then learning how to reconnect again. And that's what the journey has been about. But I think what's so interesting about the heart itself, and you've, you've mentioned this a couple of times, actually, Carla, which is this idea that um, through my PhD, I tried to really put together um, a kind of 
important case for the heart to say, even though we feel that in our rational kind of um, uh, objectively led reality where the, the kind of mind or brain is king, and I'm not saying, please don't get me wrong, I'm not kind of trying to make a dichotomy head versus heart, I'm not doing that, but we do live in a narrative where you know, the, the mind, the rational brain is king and the heart is seen there as sentimental because oh, mm. it's just feelings, it's subjective, you can't trust it. I think that's the worst mistake we could possibly make because actually the heart I know through my own experience has so much to tell us and so much of value to offer to the rational discursive mind yeah. that they complement each other but what we do is it's kind of they put in a hierarchy where the head's higher than the heart and the heart's just seen as something subservient mm. and then we miss the whole point of what the heart is actually there for yes it's emotions yeah it can be sentimental at times but also if you consider that the heart is where we receive the world the images of the world the experiences of the world how is that any less valid than what uh mind or mm. rational mind can tell us i can't see any difference mm. but you use the two together in synergy yeah. so that they talk together and it's so exactly. interesting because one of the things i've scribbled because i i scribble stuff that strikes me so that i can articulate proper questions further down the line but one of the things i've written here is gut feelings is to ask you about mm. because i i do experience very strong gut feelings now yeah and there is um and there's an amazing writer who you may or may not be aware of called alexandra franzen Yes. And she talks about heart and mind equals hut. So she talks about hut feelings, which oh, I really like, like because that. it's not just in your gut and it's not just in your heart and it's not just no. in your head. It's it's that feeling that that actually it takes a long time to tune into, but exactly. you do eventually find your way back to it. Once you found your way back to it, you know what that feels like. Exactly. So if somebody says something, you will get a full bodied, full hearted, full minded yes, yes or a no. And it, it it's physical as well as. And I feel like that from what you've been saying, that feels like a heart thing yeah but we don't talk about it that way but but no. is that where the gut feelings are coming from is that I think well actually it's interesting you say that because there are actually neurons that connect the uh the brain the heart and the gut so they're all ah. communicating with each other so yeah. we have a gut brain a heart brain and a brain brain head brain. okay <laughs> and yeah, they like all that. communicate with each other and actually interestingly empirical science is proving this so what we what's happened is over the past sort of um 300, 400 years since, um, you know, the wonderful uh, William Harvey in 1628, you know, sort of put forward his theory of um, pulmonary um, circulation is that the, the heart has been seen less and less as a place where, you know, um, our soul resides and less and less as a place to go to for uh, guidance. And we've moved from a, from a cardiocentric worldview to a craniocentric worldview at the level of medical theory. So the problem has been that the narrative that we currently live under, which is a kind of um, scientific based, medically based narrative, which is nothing wrong with that, don't get me wrong. But once we've done that, we've kind of silenced the heart so it can only live mm. as a biological pump. So then when you start to talk about it in the terms that I'm talking about, you know, listening truly to my heart because I know the world speaks to me through it, because of the narrative that's in place and we're educated, you know, in that way, 
it's very difficult then for people to see the heart in any other way other than being sentimental or just a you know a, a sort of one of those add-ons but we don't really take much notice of it do we but we ignore that we ignore the heart at, at our peril really because mm. if that's the organ through which the heart speaks to that's the organ through which the world speaks to us in all of its complexity, in all of its imagery and its symbology, and you know it, the experience that we have when we're outside in nature, that's not a head-based thing. That's a whole experiential body in nature experience, and that experience is real. <laughs> you know, we are organs of perception. It's not just, you know, we're not just brains walking around. And that's it. We're, we're, we're whole bodies with lots and lots of different sensing organs. Yes. So my my wish, my desire is to make the heart is to bring the heart back into conversation, because let's face it, we need it right now. Mm, oh, the no. world that we're living in, we yes. need it right now. So and, much. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. there's so much research out there including my own which makes a case for it and says that if you do this and if you commit to your heart and you you make your heart speaking to you a possibility how even if you just made it a possibility and ask then yourself how could that change the way that you look at the world what have you lost by doing that nothing nothing at all exactly yeah yeah that needs a little round of applause that's wonderful it is amazing if you um, guys so, could see our faces right now just like just, i feel like i feel like i'm feeling things with my heart it's wonderful it's fantastic i'm actually getting that like well it goes back to language as well i'm like the, the words i would use like feeling full-hearted my heart yeah. singing all of those sorts of things it's yeah yeah it's, it's just incredible so take us on from this a little bit okay. then and talk to us a little bit about how this has influenced uh, your business talk to us a little bit about about the now what's what's going on now yeah so well obviously um you you introduced the heart sense research institute um at the beginning thank you very much um and and that was um a sort of place for me to put all of my papers and my thesis and you know my blogs and everything else but um for the past sort of five or six years i've just had this little kind of seed um growing in my heart which was I really want to make some standing stones dolmens and um, these little pieces that bring the sacred back into people's lives because I knew you know back in Cornwall when I was a child how those places made me feel and I thought that was where my heart opened that was where my conversations with the world happened first of all and how can I bring this back in a more kind of creative um, experiential way for people that maybe don't quite like the um, the wordy lofty heights of academia and so it was a seed as I say that was sat about yeah five six years ago and and I was trying to think about well, how would I do this when would I have the time to do this and so then um, it was March March last year I was about to start an admin job and then it all fell through for reasons that we know why. <laughs> um, and I thought, right, okay, I've got to try and, you know, do something else. So that was when I really sort of um, invested my time in HeartSense Research Institute. And I said to my dad one day, I said, do you know what, dad? I said, I've got this idea and I want to get these pieces um, made. And uh, do you think you might be able to sort of support me to do them? 
So I explained to him what I wanted to do, sort of a little piece of slate um, with some stones, because I've been collecting stones my whole life. You know, everywhere I go, I collect a stone. I've got them. I mean, there's boxes everywhere. Me too. <laughs> Charles and the dogs everywhere. And the thing is, because because everyone knows I'm a crystal therapist as well so I'm always dishing out crystals to everybody for various things <laughs> and so whenever anyone goes away and I say oh if you're you know when you're out and about can you pick me up a stone from some, such and such so everyone comes back with stones for me and I wanted to do something with these stones um so so yeah so that was where the idea came from and then I was looking for um I, I felt like I wanted to sort of draw some designs on them as well just sort of dremel some sort of spirals on them and um just get really creative so my dad bless him um bought me um a, a dremel drill excellent um and so I just got creating um in the spring and summer and my dad was like um working out how we could attach the stones to the slate and we managed to do it he's been so supportive of me as well um and then these I just we we just created together these beautiful standing stones and dolmens out of stones that I've been collecting that were and I would talk to the stones and say well what do you want to be what do you want to become and do you want to sort of um, go into this configuration? Do you want to be a dolmen? Do you want to be a sacred site? Do you want to be a stone circle? And that's, that's what would happen. So I'd kind of lay them out on slate and then put them together. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've, got, I've got about 30, 30 different um, designs now. Um, which are, they're all unique. They're all completely unique. They'll never be replicated. Um, and they're all imbued with Reiki energy. I put crystals in the, in the stone dolmens. Um, and it's just me wanting through my heart to bring the sacred back into people's lives mm. who, and particularly at these, this time of lockdown, you know, where we can't get out um, and visit these places um I've I've got one on um on my little altar over in the corner of the room and I'm just it just makes me feel so happy um and I feel like I'm with my stones that I used to be with as a child so that was how they came about love that love that's that. incredible is there's a there was a, a question that kind of popped into my head there as you were talking about this and it sort of it was almost like a head over heart type question, actually. So I apologise. But um, it's one of those things where I would sort of think talking about this to people, the question must get asked, you know, why? Why Why is it you would want to do something like that? So my, I suppose my thinking is um, the, the thought that was going through my head was, do you feel like your heart has actually given you an answer as to why you're why you're doing this? Yeah, my, my heart's just said, do it. And yeah. I, and again, this might not make sense to anybody, but if you've been in daily conversation with your heart through your research, it's so, as deeply as I have, and it's transformed my life as in such an incredible way as mine has, mm. then I listen. Yeah. Um, and you know I follow because I know that my heart leads and guides me in the best possible way for me 
Um, and as I say, I, the seeds of this were, were kind of born five, six years ago. And it was always something I knew I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to make it happen. Um, and I suppose it wasn't, it couldn't have happened until after I'd done the PhD. Um, and then it was like, well, you know, you've just lost your job. There's nothing stopping you. You've got everything you could possibly need. And your dad has also said that he'd help you to work out how you could possibly do this. Hmm. So let's go for it and see if it works. But when they started to um, pop out and emerge, I mean, I was, my heart was taken. I just felt like this is exactly what I wanted to do. And if I'd have done it any earlier, it would have been wrong. Right. Yeah. That makes it's a lot come of sense, together actually. at the right yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. That does make a yeah. lot of sense. And it's, it's all intuitive. It's, it's mm. all following my heart's guidance and wisdom in conversation with my brain, you know, <laughs> um, but it's, um it's just perfect really um and for a time I had 30 of them all sat in my dad's shed and I'd just go in and look at them and I was thinking oh I feel like a giant I feel like a giant <laughs> looking at like this little model that. this model village of um <laughs> this model neolithic village I um, expecting that. like these little ancient people to wander, <laughs> to around. wander around oh it was just that is again lovely. I just made my summer just making these made my summer um yeah. we will we will make sure that we get some photos from you if we make yes, please. Oh, yeah. the show notes I think it would be wonderful to, be able yeah, to show definitely. people I'll send you some yeah, um, oh, yeah. But wonderful. I, I think there's there's for me the thing that's that's also well I mean many things are standing out and we've not got that long an episode but I know one of the things that, that is really standing out to me is this idea of bringing the sacred back into people's lives yeah. mm, back. Yes. I think that's something that um it's I mean I know that people have different words for different things and but I think this goes beyond specific faiths and specific yes, beliefs I think definitely. it is very wide widely um I, I'm not this is the only downside about podcasting is when big ideas happen I really struggle <laughs> to put them together without writing um I think that it's it's a really widely needed thing at the moment. I think mm. a lot of people are looking, even when they maybe didn't before or where there's been sort of tuggings or longings or, or thoughts and suddenly they're looking. And I think a lot of people are looking for something they didn't know they were perhaps looking for. Um, and I love that this is a, a totally different way. It's not something I've ever come across before, these, these miniature standing stones, but I think oh. there's something that will really, I, I can imagine, I can imagine walking past them and just being like, yeah, yeah. Well, so, I can kind of understand it from the perspective of my my friend used to always make me go down to Stonehenge for um mm. uh, for summer solstice because oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, but just because of the whole it, for the for the first few times I went, I didn't get it because I'd never I'd never never been through that experience before. But she this was back when you could still go up to the stones as well. And she said, "Come up to me." And she, she said, "Come with me." And she grabbed my hand and she said, "Do you feel it? Can you feel?" the stones and this particular time she did it and I just went oh oh yes I can I can feel something you know and it's the I think it was the first time I'd ever actually yeah got that you know got that sense of there's something more to this than yeah. than what this tells me you know I'm pointing at my head for the podcast I keep forgetting about that I but, know right because um, we can see each other I know yeah but it's yeah it was that it was that sudden sense of something yeah much mm. bigger than me but you know that I didn't understand but I wanted to kind of just feel an experience really so exactly. yeah. yeah how how would you sort of how what advice would you give to people who are thinking along the lines of oh I would like to understand more about this how could how could I yeah. listen and talk to my heart 
Um, oh yeah, there's, well, there's a there's a couple of things there. I mean, I wanted to sort of just pick up on what you were talking about with regards to the sacred, because, mm. like I said a bit earlier, the, the sacred to me doesn't necessarily mean anything divine or anything yeah. that you know godlike. Not to me anyway, mm. but the sacred is something more. So I would define the sacred as a something more, whether that's deeper um, in the sense of moving further into ourselves and who we are and our soul, or whether that's a kind of expansive, you know, out to um, the divine, whatever works for you. But the sacred for me is something more. I really like and that definition. <laughs> so it's, it's some, there's something more than our ordinary day-to-day -day reality narrative doesn't necessarily allow us to um, dive into really. Yeah. Yeah. And what that looks like is different for many, many different people. So in terms of um, connecting with the heart, really from everyone will have their own way of doing that. But the first step I think is to see the heart as not just a biological organ, but that is a kind of doorway onto the something more out into the something more. Um, and even just by saying to your heart, heart, I see you, I recognize you. Can you give me a message or um, give me a sign that you're talking to me or that you're there? Um, just inviting the conversation. Now, I don't know what that would look like to somebody else, but it's about developing um, a narrative that makes sense or a framework that makes sense. It's like learning a new language. Mm. You know, you're not going to dive straight into speaking. Well, I'm not going to dive straight into speaking Russian straight away. I have to find my way in. Yeah. And so just ask your heart, first of all, I know you're there. I want to remember what it's like to receive the world through you. Give me a sign or speak to me or let me know that you're there. And even just that invitation is a way of starting. Mm. I suppose, as you said earlier, you know, just opening to the possibility yeah, just to start, because um, I actually I like the comparison to a language because obviously it's possible to become fluent, but you don't just one day wake up fluent, do you? No. It is, it's a conversation over time. It's a, a process. Uh, yeah, I think that's really. And, and the possibility wise. has to be left open as well that, you know, if you enter into a conversation with your heart, but just still think, oh, well, it's not only sentimental that's going to shut it down straight away so so you have to be really genuine in your opening towards the possibility that there is this other way of seeing the world that really we knew when we were younger it's just that we've turned our attention in a different direction hmm. um, and so I would say there's nothing we're just remembering a way of knowing and being in the world that we used to um, do quite readily um, and quite naturally when we were younger. Yeah, before and logic me, took over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the stones, the stones for me helped me to kind of get there. Mm. Mm. And like you say as well, that it has that it's obviously had that much of an effect on you, not only sort of um, like through intuition and everything but physically as well I mean are, yeah. are you well now is, every, is everything yeah. yeah yeah I mean you know my my cardiologists say they they're amazed at you know what I've done over the last 30 years because you know I I was at death's door um amazing you know 30 years ago I take a very tiny tiny amount of medication now and um I'm fitter and healthier and 
better than I've ever been really yeah it's one of the things actually it's quite it's like going back to being when I was a paramedic it's there's this thing about I've always believed that things that go wrong with our physical bodies mm. are are their way of trying to tell us that there's something yeah. else going on and it's yeah. So it's quite interesting to, to to hear you talking about this now, actually, and almost, well, confirming it for me, really. So Yeah, and James Hillman says that. He says that, you know, the things that happen to us, they're symptoms of, of our bodies trying to get our attention. Yeah. What are, what are these things trying to say to us? What is the world trying to say to us? Also, because they're not only our own symptoms, but the world is talking to us about her own symptoms as well, if you want to take that on a wider scale. Yeah. So, and that can take you again, it's the doorway into the sacred, into the something more. How can we see more in what's happening to us right now rather than falling into these arguments? So, she's right, he's wrong. There's more to this, it's deeper. Yeah, it's um, not just face value. This mm. is where I feel that the kind of real nub of the creative conversations can happen. Um, and this is where art and creativity is so important because they can open the door onto these deeper conversations that are so desperately needed in our world right now. Mm, yeah, and yet they're so often not valued in the way that yeah. they should be, are they? I but know. that's probably another whole episode. So. Another whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> we could be here all night talking I about know, that. <laughs> Thank you, Louise. Thank you. This has been absolutely fantastic. I've just, I feel like I feel like I just want to go and lay on the grass somewhere now and just just and just, just listen. listen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This listening is what I'm feeling like right now. Go yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. listening. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So thank obviously, you. I know we didn't quite ask you everything that we we planned to ask. No, I think you covered it all beautifully anyway. I think. <laughs> you <laughs> did absolutely. Yeah. But talk to us a little bit. Um, you know, this is your sort of chance to tell us a little bit about um yourself. Plug us. Plug yes, yourself. Where are bit. you? Give us your links. How can we yep. find? Yeah. Yes, okay, yeah. so um, my website is heartsenseresearch.co.uk. Lovely. Um, so all of my research papers, thesis is um, up on the website. Um, my living stone, I call them living stones. So we my name's living stones. So I call them living stones. Perfect. Um, so uh, all the stones that I've currently done, I will be making more in the spring. I've got a load more to make. Um, so based on Avalon and Camelot and that kind of yeah. energy as well, which I'm really, really, really excited yeah. about. So um, so that link is heartsenseresearch.co.uk forward slash living dash stones. Excellent. We'll make sure we link that. You got if you're listening. If you go and find the show notes, they will be in the show. Absolutely, notes. thank It'll you. What about and social I'll... media? Can we find you on social media? Yes, as well? I'm on Facebook, um, and um, I've just started uh, on Pinterest as well. Um, so that my links to Facebook are actually from my website as well. So yes, awesome. people and link we'll pop to those me on in there. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, them in there. Oh, Fantastic. Thank you. Is there anything else that we didn't kind of ask you that you wanted really wanted to talk about today? Oh, I, I don't like think I'm so. Totally I think sure. I don't know. I think you you opened it up so beautifully that it just. Oh. Um, I don't know it's just felt so lovely I've had oh, been delightful oh I'm so it's glad we've had a wonderful time I think we've yeah. just been looking at each other like which one's going to respond I'm processing <laughs> I'm processing I can't cope <laughs> but it's no thank you such, so much for joining us such good interviewers I've, I've absolutely thoroughly loved this thank you oh, so much thank you, you so much. thank you Louise it's been a pleasure it has um, been a delight Thank you. Thank you. On that note, then I guess this we should we wrap this up. Draw this onto a close. Yeah, I think so. Thank you um, so much. Yeah, you're so and welcome. I wish you all the best with your venture. You're doing amazing, amazing work. 
Thank oh, you thank much. you. And you too. I, I'm going to have to go delve into looking at your stones now. I'm very, okay. very interested. So. <laughs> Me too. Thanks so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank Take you. care. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love for you to rate us, review us and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. Five stars, please. Uh, where can people find us online, Sarah? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Creative Reboot Co. And we also have a Facebook group, which we'd love you to join to come and talk to us about the episodes. Just search for Creative Reboot Group. And you can also go to our website, creativereboot.co, where you can subscribe to our mailing list and get in touch with us if you fancy being a guest or if you have topics you want us to talk about. We'll look forward to seeing you there.